You know, last week we talked about, in general, the goal or the purpose of the life of those who follow Jesus is to be someone who makes disciples. That Jesus, right out of Matthew chapter 28, says that we are to be people, that we are to be on a mission making disciples, that we are to be baptizing them, teaching them, helping them to learn to obey, but that our overall goal in life should be to make disciples. And so this morning, as we think about our mothers, and I think about a Mother's Day message, I couldn't help but think that what we're going to talk about today is the way in which you as a mom can fulfill that mission to make disciples. title of today's message is Moms on a Mission, because I am convinced that one of the things that could radically change the spiritual direction of our families, our country, and our world is a group of moms on a mission. Now, there are several reasons I think that. First of all, I think Scripture teaches, as I said earlier, that instruction comes from the home. But I've also seen it because I've seen when moms get on other kinds of missions. Being a guy, one of the things that I appreciate about females is when women get on a mission, the mission gets accomplished. Amen, guys? That wasn't near hearty enough. Amen, guys. And so my goal or my prayer is that we could mobilize moms on a mission here today. A mission to fulfill the great commission in making disciples. Now to do that, I want to talk about a woman that has haunted and terrified women for 3,000 years. A monstrosity that seems too big to even consider being real. An ideal that is so far out there, it seems to be something that has to be made up. But yet, every time you turn the page to this particular passage, there she stands. Ladies, men, take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 31. We're going to talk about the monstrosity or the monster of the Proverbs 31 woman. Now, here's the reason I say it's a monster is because I talked to some mothers. I've talked to some today. I've talked to some in the past. And these words come out of their mouths more than anything else. There is no way in the world I could ever be a Proverbs 31 mom or wife or woman. Let me tell you a little bit about Proverbs 31. I think it's interesting because uh, it does cast such a massive shadow over us today, that Proverbs 31 is a Hebrew or original language acrostic. Now, you know what an acrostic is? It's where you take A and you make something out of A, then B, then C. This is the first, second, third, fourth letters of the Hebrew alphabet make up this psalm. In fact, in their day and time, it's, it's looked at in writings that she's basically called the alphabet woman. Now, that seems a lot less troubling, right? Proverbs 31, woman. Sounds so intimidating. Alphabet woman sounds like somebody that's on Nickelodeon or Disney in the afternoon, right? But she was called the alphabet woman because it just went down the alphabet. It'd be like today if we said an awesome wife who can find. 
A blessed lady, there is none like her. A caring woman is so important. A diligent worker. And you just keep going. Now, that's not to say that these characteristics weren't there, but you have to think that this is almost like a card that King Lemuel is writing to his mom. And he's saying, these are the things I appreciate about you. And what we're going to see in Proverbs 31 today, and we're not going to spend time going through every bit of what's in there. We're going to look at three big principles out of it. But what I hope we'll see is that this Proverbs 31 is a model that each and every one of you ladies can follow. You know, motherhood is making a comeback. I don't know if you knew that or not. That the importance of mom is becoming more and more known. It's interesting how uh, I think sometimes, especially in America, we think we come up with an idea that goes against what has been practiced for thousands of years, and somehow we think we've got it right and everybody else had it wrong. And what we're seeing is this idea that came in the, from the, about the 60s through the year 1990, 1995, that uh, mothers were just mothers and they weren't as important as maybe we thought and that the generations that had come before had wrongly emphasized this position of motherhood were finding out we were wrong. It's not just the church, which we kind of proclaimed that all along, that mothers had an important place. It's society. USA Today in the last few years has run stories like kids thrive more on mom, less on daycare. Stories about more moms staying home, about more moms putting their work in second place behind their families. New York Times wrote a story recently about the fact that the reason more women aren't breaking through the glass ceiling is because more women are choosing not to break through the glass ceiling. Now, I'm not against mothers working. I think that Proverbs 31 woman shows that she did work. But I think it's important to understand, and this is true for fathers and for mothers, that our most important responsibilities is to our family first. I read this just last night, an interesting quote. Tony Campolo is a guy that is a Christian speaker, and several years ago he was walk, working on a college campus, and his wife would go to him, go with him to meetings. And while she was there, she began to feel kind of bad about the fact that she would just, they would ask her, well, what do you do? And she would say, well, I, I stay at home. And, and she wouldn't feel bad about it saying it, but the responses would always be, oh, well, that's, that's nice. Do you do anything else? And so one time she just thought it through and she had a prepared response when they asked her that question. They said, well, what do you do? And she says, well, I'm in the process of socializing two homo sapiens and the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order into the teleologically prescribed utopia inherent in the eschaton. What do you do? (laughs) She, uh, she kind of got them there. Moms and dads, may we never think that raising our family is just something we do. I mean, you've heard the studies of all that moms actually do. The latest figures are that a mom doing all that she does should command a salary of about 150000 a year just for staying at home, not counting those of you moms that work, what you do outside the home. 
Daniel Aiken, Southeastern uh, Seminary, uh, had a mom write a list of all the things that she did, that she was. And this is what she said. I'm the baby feeder, changer, bather, rocker, burper, hugger, and listener to crying and fuzzing and thousands of questions. I'm the picker-upper of food and debris. I'm the comforter, encourager, counselor. I'm a linguistic expert for two-year-old dialects. I'm a listener to husband and children about their day, their needs, their concerns, their aspiration. I'm teacher of everything from how to chew food to how to drive a car. I assist on school projects. I'm a censor of TV, movies, and books. I'm a reader of thousands of children's books, planner and hostess of children's birthday parties, planner and hostess of dinner parties, central control for getting appliance fixed or the carpet shampooed, executioner of ants, roaches, wasps, and other pests, resident historian in charge of photo albums, baby books, and school record books, Resident encyclopedia source for all hard questions. Food preservation expert. Keeper and locator of birth certificates and other valuable documents. Ironer of wrinkles. Appointment desk for the family's visits to the doctors, the dentist, the orthodontist, the barber, and the mechanic. The one who prays. The cleaner of the oven, the drawers, the closets, the garage, the curtains, the windows, and even the walls. The refinisher of furniture. The emergency medical technician and ambulance driver. And the hubby's romantic attentive spouse. Here are some things I've done recently. I've clipped ten fingernails and ten toes for each young child. I've returned library books. I've gotten film developed. I choose gifts, purchase gifts, wrap gifts for birthdays, Christmas, Father's Day, Mother's Day, wedding showers, baby showers, and anniversaries, mail packages, buy stamps, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up the dry cleaning, haul off everything that needs repair, attend recitals, attend every sporting event imaginable, chauffeur everyone everywhere, comb little girls' hair, help in the classroom, attend school PTA meetings and conferences, act as a room mother, making things, organizing parties, chaperone field trips and special events, coordinate carpools, make bank deposits with withdrawals, deliver forgotten lunches, forgotten homework, forgotten athletic gear, lead scouts, bluebirds, and even teach a Sunday school class. And all of God's people said, Amen. Our moms are important. And what I want to challenge you today and encourage you is that God created you to be exactly the mother on a mission that you're supposed to be. Proverbs 31, verse 10. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out all go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household, does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works 
bring her praise at the city gate. Now, let me ask you a quick question, because, you know, in Scripture, there are different genres of literature. You know what that means? There are different kinds of reading. This is called wisdom literature, and so it's general wisdom about life. But in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, we also have these things called commands, right? Like last week, Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's a command, right? Can anybody find a command in Proverbs 31 that I just read? Does it command anything? No. It doesn't. And I know women that will read this passage of Scripture and they will think, I have got to do all those things. Well, I don't know what a, I don't even have a spindle, so maybe not that, but I've got to figure out how I can do that. That's not what is implied here. Three things I want you to see out of this passage that make this woman special and make, make you special as well. And the first is this. God, our world, is looking for moms who are authentic, that are real. We need moms who are authentic. Now, this is what I love about this passage of Scripture. This is King Lemuel just saying, this is who my mom is. Now, she, and we will admit, is an exceptional mother. Amen? I mean, she is an exceptional mother. But she is who she is. And I want you to know that God created you exactly like you are supposed to be. And so you need to be who you are. Now, I know that sounds like a lot of doublespeak. But you just need to be authentic. Our world today is longing for authenticity. I was thinking about this yesterday. Uh, checking out at a store. I was checking out at the store, and, you know, they have the tabloids over there. And I was actually on my cell phone looking at some news that had come in in the sports world. And some of you may, um, many of you may have heard this week that one of the best hitters in baseball has been suspended for 50 games. And I remember hearing sports talk all over the place, and the story I was reading basically said, we can trust no one in sports anymore. And I thought just how tragic that was. And so then I put my cell phone down, put it back in my pocket, and looked over and glanced at the tabloids, and every tabloid was about somebody cheating on somebody else. And it basically gives the assumption that you can't trust anyone anymore this week i just challenge you to see how many stories in the news and in the paper and on the internet are really just questions of authenticity our world is searching for people who are authentic that are real now let me say this that means you don't try to be somebody that you're not Some of you in this room are moms. And you are trying your best. But in the back of your mind, you've got this ideal picture of what a mom ought to be. And when you don't live up to that ideal, suddenly your day, your week, your month, it's gone. Because you're attempting to live up to an ideal of somebody that you are not supposed to be. 
one of the most amazing things about the way God created us is that He created us unique. We are all one of a kind. And as God created us, all He's asking you to be is to be authentically you. Now let me say something real quickly. I mean being authentically you in pursuit of God. Because just being you is not enough. You must be in a passionate pursuit of a living God. And as you're doing that, God will bless who you are. Notice what it says about this woman. We're not going to look at everything it says, but notice what it says. He says about his mom. It says her husband has full confidence, or his wife, husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Now, a couple of things there. First of all, verse 11 is interesting because it says that he has full trust, full confidence, that in the deepest part of who he is, he does not doubt her in the least. He completely trusts her. She is authentic. But look at verse 12. Even all the days of her life. Now, this is true since the beginning of time. Who genuinely lives longer? Women, right? Notice it doesn't say all the days of his life. It says all the days of her life. And that means, this is an amazing thing, that her husband is so confident in who she is that even when he is gone, he trusts her completely. She's just an amazing woman. We need people in our world today. We need moms in our world today that will live authentic lives. There's been a lot of study recently about why young people are leaving the church. And I don't know whether you know this or not, but from age about... uh, 18 till about 30 right now, there is a mass exodus in the church. They get rid, they finish high school, move away to college, and they leave the church and they just don't come back. There's been a lot of investigation about it, but the number one thing that keeps coming back is I didn't see it made a difference in my family, my parents, or people in my church's life. What they're basically saying is, I know my mom and dad say church is important. I know my mom and dad say their faith are important. I know that my church family says that faith is important, but I don't see it making a difference in their lives. And so when I have a choice on my own, if there's no difference, then there's no reason. And it goes back to this idea of authenticity. If you are living a life where your faith is not real, then it will not matter to your children what you believe. We need moms who are authentic, that can be trusted all the days of her life. Here's the second thing. Not only do we need wives, moms who are authentic, but we also need moms who will live courageously. There's one verse in here that I love just because it seems so innocent in first reading, but It shows just that her confidence is there, that she lives courageously without fear constantly. I mean, you've got all that stuff that she's doing in there. She works vigorously. She 
trading is profitable. She buys a field. She sells it. She plants a vineyard. All that stuff. But verse 21 is one of those kind of strange ones. You see, they didn't have snow days back then, so snow was not something they looked forward to. I mean, I know around this part of the world when snow was announced, people go to the grocery store, people hold up for two or three days, and kids do the snow dance up and we get out for snow days. But verse 21 says, when it snows, she has no fear. Now, why would snow be a scary thing? That's good. Somebody else. Why would snow be a scary thing? It's cold. We have to remember, we're talking 3,000 years ago. They did not have central heating units. Right? They did not have kerosene heaters. And so they had to make provision when snow came. Now, also remember, I know Al Roker was referenced in the video. They didn't have Al Roker. I mean, we know snow's coming three or four days in advance, usually. They didn't know it was coming. They looked up in the sky. Uh-oh. Here's snow. And so in order for snow to be scary, it had to come on suddenly. It had to be cold. It had to have a real chance of harming your family. But it tells us in Scripture here that she was constantly living in a way that when anything came, she was prepared. Now, I know what you, you can take that and mean a lot of things. I mean, I guess that is referenced there. That gives us all a reason to run and get bread and milk when the snow comes, all right? But what it really means is she lived her life to the point where nothing could really catch her by surprise that she wasn't already prepared for. Which meant that she was allowed to live courageously for her family and for her God. There are some of you moms out there that the reason that you are not experiencing life to the fullest and the reason you're not impacting your family like you could is because you're living constantly in fear. And when we live in a society that is looking for authenticity at every place it can find it, we also live in a society that is constantly looking for security because we are the most fearful society that has ever lived. Studies show that we have more anxiety in our homes, in our families, than any group has ever had, even though we are the most safe society in history. Moms, what we need is a group of women on a mission who say, listen, I am going to be authentic, but I am going to live courageously. I think about some of the women of the Bible. Think about Samuel's mom, who, perhaps like some of you in this room, had spent many years of her life hoping for a child, and the child just wouldn't come, and it's amazing how that is a recurrent motif in Scripture, especially the Old Testament. And I do say, let me just say kind of as a side note, I realize that for some of you in this room, Mother's Day is a joyful experience, but for some today is a difficult day for a variety of reasons. Perhaps you are someone that has longed for a child and God has not blessed you with that child. Perhaps you're someone that as my family has experienced, has lost a mother within the last year. And today is a reminder of, yes, the joy that she now experiences heaven like we will one day, but also the sadness of missing her. But I think about Samuel's mom. 
who basically said to the Lord, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give him right back. And she did. Now, I can imagine once the child came, she could have said, boy, you know, Lord, that was a, a kind of a deal we made there, but that's a little scary. I'm a little worried about that. Why don't we just stick to, to, to me taking care for a little while? You think about Rahab in the Old Testament living courageously. Now, I know Rahab's not usually somebody you talk about on Mother's Day. But she is in the line of Jesus because she was willing to live courageously. Think about Mary, mother of Jesus, when the angel came. And Scripture seems to suggest that Mary could have rejected God's plan there. Now, she doesn't, of course, right? She says, may it be unto me as you have said. You talk about courageous living. We need women who are courageous. And here's the last thing, last principle. We need women who will love sacrificially. You know, if I looked at this passage of Scripture and tried to come up with one theme that I saw throughout it, it is simply this, that we see this woman doing very little or nothing for herself. Right? She's working for her family. She's working for her husband. She's doing things. Now, she plants a vineyard, but the vineyard is to benefit the family. And what I know about great moms, what I know about great people, is that they do very little for themselves. That they are sacrificially loving. I mean, just look at some of the things. I said we're not going to go over all of them. She gets up while it is still dark and she provides food for her family and portions for the servant girls. She goes beyond just her family. She makes stuff for the servant girls. Now, in that day and time, that was a big deal. Just what I talked about with the snow. She has no fear for she has clothed them all. Her husband is respected at the city gate. There's understanding there that Her husband is respected because of what he does. But there's also this understanding that part of the reason he's respected is that she takes care of everything so that he can be the man that God's called him to be to do what God's called him to do. She loves sacrificially. This week as I was preparing, I was going to end the sermon with that kind of thought and kind of finish on that note. And I ran across a little acrostic myself from Kay Warren, who's the wife of Rick Warren, about what it means for moms to be good. And I thought in the spirit of the acrostic of Proverbs 31, we would take the word good and I would just give you what I think are the four things that are needed for you to do these three things, to be authentic, to be someone who lives courageously and loves sacrificially. And the first thing is this. You've got to be willing to give your presence. That's the G. This goes true for moms or dads or anybody that's going to make a difference. Last week when we talked about disciple making, anybody that's going to make a difference has, first of all, to give your presence. You have to be there. The second thing you have to do is you have to open your heart. You have to be willing to open your heart to the hurts that people have to the hurts that your family has, to the hurts that your husband has. You have to be willing to open your heart. Now let me just caution you there. When you open your heart, it'll hurt. 
He just will. One of the most tender moments in the ministry of Jesus comes toward the end when he looks over the city of Jerusalem and weeps because he opens his heart to the hurtly. Give your presence, open your heart, offer help. Whatever you can do, you offer help, guidance, prayer, finances, whatever it is. Now here's the most important thing. You depend on God for strength. I know that we have some great moms here today. Some of you are doing absolutely amazing jobs. Some of you were here last week and you heard the message about disciple making and you've been challenged this week to continue that in your life. And this morning I hope that you get a picture that it means living authentic lives courageously, loving sacrificially. And this morning, perhaps what God is doing in your heart and in your life is just challenging you to being on a mission for Him. Let me tell you the biggest danger moms face. And that's getting so caught up in all that you have to do that you lose the perspective of the mission that God's called you to. I mean, I was exhausted just reading the list of things that mom did. Amen? And some of you are out there going, well, he didn't say this. I know. And it's so easy to get caught up in all of that stuff that you miss out on the big picture. And the big picture is that you have been placed in the lives of your family to help them to grow into being the people that God has called them to be. And this morning, God is calling you not just to be a great mother in the things that you do. He's calling you to be a great mother in who you are and the way that you follow Him. Just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I know I focused the message mostly toward moms today. And if you're here today and you're a mom and you just feel like the Lord is laying something on your heart, to come to this altar, to to pray, to, to come and to share something here, I'll be here to receive you. If you're here today and the Lord has spoken through this or the music or something in your life this week and you've got another decision that you need to make and you want to come and and do that here, I'll be here to receive you. But let me just challenge you today. Whether you're a mom, a dad, single, married without children, grandparents, youth or child today. Let me just challenge you to do those three things, regardless of your stage in life. To live an authentic life, to live courageously for the Lord, and to love sacrificially. 